0: Welcome to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, Torah with a Point of View, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, your host and dean of the Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles. It's my great pleasure to welcome Rabbi Andrew Hahn, who is professionally known as the Kirtan Rabbi. Rabbi Hahn holds a PhD in Jewish thought from the Jewish Theological Seminary, and he received his rabbinic ordination from us at the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion back in 2003 on our New York campus. And he's perhaps best known for weaving traditional Jewish liturgy and musical modes into this increasingly popular mode of chanting from India which is based in calm Response and called Kirtan, hence his name is the Kirtan Rabbi. He's currently in residence at Klal, which is the National Jewish Center for Learning and Leadership, where he recently kicked off a not-for-profit project called the Kirtan Rabbi Prayer Initiative. Rabbi Han, thank you so much for joining us here on the Bullet Pulpit.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So despite my uh, brief introduction, everyone's going to
1: want to know what is Kirtan and what does that mean from the point of view of being a rabbi? So kirtana is a, for want of a better term, a technology that comes originally out of India and out of um, Hinduism, and usually it's done in Sanskrit. And it's based in what we call continual call and response chanting. And usually the subject matter of the chanting are names of God. So the, the practice is a heartfelt opening by chanting enthusiastically. The names of God. Of course, they have very many names of God in Hinduism, and so it became a challenge for me doing it in Hebrew, which is what I do. As my kirtan is done in the Hebrew language, uh, what becomes a name of God at that point? And um, I want to say that while it comes as a musical presentation, I often. I'm teaching my singers and my music, the musicians I work with, many of whom are much more qualified musically than me, and, and when I write and talk about this that, and do workshops, that it's actually kind of not music. I mean, we're playing instruments, we're singing, but there's much more to it than, than it just being music. And like I say, it hails from India, and it's come to the west mostly through the yoga community. When did it come? Are we talking like a 1980s thing? or? Uh, well, there were a certain number of people who, mid-60s, late-60s, they were seekers. And I think this is very much a post-Shoah, post-phenomenon, mm-hmm. where people, Jewish people who were seekers were were not finding it. Things had become pretty stale for them in the traditional, I mean, I grew up with this, in the traditional reform and conservative and perhaps even orthodox uh, religious practices where things have become a little stale. I think so. In the mid '60s, late '60s, a certain a kind of a group of people started to go to India, and encounter um, various gurus and teachings and yoga there. And uh, humorously, the the probably the best known one is Ramdas. Who wrote the book Be Here Now, which was a big hit in the in the I guess late 60s, early 70s. I'm not sure quite when that was published. And and other and other well-known figures who today are, are dominating the scene, such as Krishna Das and many others. And most of them, which Ramdas coined this phrase, most of them were, as he put it humorously, were Jewish on their parents' side. <laughs> <All> <laughs>
0: so <right.
1: laughs> so uh, you know and they they kind of knew that. And, You know, we could go
0: into Buddhism
1: as well. Buddhism also has many people who have come from Jewish backgrounds, uh, you know, maybe a majority of people in the West. Uh, And the Western kirtan scene, I'm actually out here in Los Angeles because I'm going to the major predominant, preeminent kirtan festival out in Joshua Tree called Bhakti Fest. And Bhakti is another almost synonym for kirtan. Mm. It means it's a form of yoga. So kirtan, like I said, it's not exactly music. So traditionally, it's yoga. And, of course, we think of yoga as taking all those postures, and that's called hatha yoga, where people hold positions. Uh, This is called bhakti yoga, which means yoga of the heart or devotional yoga. And it's actually considered to be a higher form of yoga than what we think of as yoga in in the physical aspect of yoga. Yoga itself means discipline? Yoga means yoking. It's kind of related to the word for yoga or binding yourself. It almost means devekut,
0: or more more uh, literally, the ol malchut shemayim. Ol
1: malchut It could be. It, it, it kind of means ol malchut shamayin. The yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, and the yes. word
0: yoke comes from yoga.
1: Yeah. So I think. I believe they're related. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. So it. it it's actually also devekut, cleaving unto the Godhead. You know, trying to have a direct experience of God through these through this chanting of the names in community. Um, and it can only be done in community. You know, you can't really do. You keep, have to have a minion. <laughs> you have to sort of yeah. have, to have a minion. You know, I don't know if it's like in brachot where you have to have three people. Yeah, or right, 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 like right. But you you can't do it alone. Like, yeah, I can't sit at home and practice. Right, because here. it's
0: called response by definition. Yes, man. by
1: definition. So, and and it's traditionally the setup is that there's one like a shaliach tzibur, like a prayer. P.E. so to speak, a prayer leader who is, is, does the calls, and then everybody responds. And there'll be a variation, and then people will follow along with the variation, or they won't follow along with the variation. And it's very loose, very non-rigid, and you really go on, on a kind of a journey to see where we'll go. Including
0: how long it takes. How long it takes. It could, it could it be, takes. be short, it could be long. When you say it's not rigid, do you mean
1: one of the things that's not rigid is the time frame? So I like to say we don't chant a lot of words but we chant them a lot of times. All
0: right, so let's take a minute to listen to a call and response version of the Shema. So I want to talk a little bit about the sociology of Jewish spirituality, Mm -hmm. and you began to speak about that a little bit, about the second half of the 20th century. All indications are that Jews, uh, mainstream Jews, in the United States at least, felt a lack, that they were seekers because they needed to seek in the first place, something was missing. But I want to go back, since you are a, a scholar of Jewish thought as well. Just think a little bit out loud with me about some of the structural the potential structural impediments in Judaism long predating the twentieth century that keep explicit expressions of spirituality at bay a bit.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I would would fain say that Judaism, traditional Judaism, I'm talking about before, ref- before the reform movement. You know, back so when before the
0: know, 19th century,
1: before the 19th century, uh, mid 1700s. You know, that that I think it had a lo- always has had and st- and has always continued to have in some quarters, very very powerful spiritual energy. It it was always there. Of course, we didn't have the choice. Back then, you didn't sort of say, "Well, I think I'll take a little bit of Buddhism here and a little bit of Hinduism here and put my own smorgasbord together." Uh, we didn't, you know, you were either you you were in a community and there you was you were no, bound by your community. You were boundaries. bound, so, yeah. you, so it was found in there, and but, I think, but it
0: wasn't mainstream, probably as far as we can tell. It was these these very passionate expressions of spirituality in Judaism seem to have been relegated to, if not the margins of the minority
1: in the 19th century when Wissenschaft des Judentums, when when the scientific study of Judaism emerged and we were trying, Jews meaning, we were trying to show a society around us that Judaism was a rational religion. You know, we were living in Germany. We wanted to show that this wasn't a bunch of folk ways and superstitions, but that we also that was a reaction to movements in, in, in Germany and elsewhere toward Christianity, trying to show that 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 the that you know Hegel and that the that the acme of consciousness was this rational God, and that Christianity naturally led out of, and therefore superseded. Judaism and other previous spaces, to be the rational religion. So we, in turn, uh, meaning Jewish thinkers, in turn in the in the 19th century and afterward, started to say, no, 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 we're going to show you too how ours is a religion of rationality. And that was necessary at the time and, and a good step. However, I think that that began the process of, of stripping away or actually even keeping at arm's length and, and kind of wanting to hide away the fervency and the energy and the spiritual energy of, of let's say, a room. For, I remember once, in uh, when I was at HUC, we read a text where somebody, like a German Jewish rational Wissenschaftler, came into a room of bu- and it described buzzing bees, davening, you know, like like praying. All this every, it chaos, was, it was chaos, and they weren't on. Everybody was on a different page, and you couldn't. Do- and meaning it quite critically, but those, you know, those of us who have experienced that know that that can be a very powerful experience yeah. to be in a room of people just all really in it. I told you when we were talking earlier that I have a lot of difficulty with the term spirituality because I think it can be kind of used in an insulting way like we who are on the spiritual path and those other people who are are the...
0: or exactly inversely, where people who find it distasteful use it in a way that's also yeah. uh, not intended to be positive.
1: Right. So it can be done the other way around as well. Getting back to the point, there was certainly a concerted effort to show that that we too, you know, us also, you know, look at us. We too are were are rational and and our notion of God fits the modern mm. sensibility of 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 the development of consciousness and everything move you know progressive positivistic movement to an ever more refined sense of the godhead so i think that that started this process of the services becoming more rational having more decorum mm-hmm. having you, you know sit still don't get up don't walk around and starting in the 60s the 70s as I'm sure you know and our listeners know, you know there was more of a movement of changing the space, yeah. of sitting more in circles, sitting more closely. Lower, lowering the beat. So God became more imminent. And musically, this was reflected in, in I would say, two main movements. Uh, my dear friend, uh, Alea Shalom, Debbie Friedman and, and Shlomo Karlbach, you know, getting a guitar, strumming. Bringing it into the in, into the circle, and also many all the minyanim that were sprouting up. That, that there might have been 20, twenty, thirty rabbis at Anshe Chesed when I was going to uh, some of the minyans I there. Bet, but, but there bet. was no rabbi. Everybody is responsible for create started to become responsible for creating what happens in the room and not be passively letting the rabbi and the cantor and the people and the pipes do it.
0: Well, that sounds interesting. So why don't we take a second to listen to your version of the Kadosh Kadosh Kadosh, in which you bridge in its two parts. A little bit of that grandeur of the mid century uh, American synagogue and the uh, late 20th century intimacy that you were speaking of.
1: Kaddosh, Kaddosh, Kaddosh.
0: Okay, well, let's get into judgmentalism now. Okay, let's
1: uh, let's do it. (laughs) uh,
0: What's up with drawing on patently pagan traditions for the service of the mother of all monotheisms, which is Judaism?
1: Well, first of all, I would maybe take issue with, with calling um, Hinduism paganism. Uh, well, I, by the way, don't mean paganism any more oh.
0: in a valorized fashion than you mean spirituality. Oh. Okay. I, I mean paganism as a purely descriptive term with absolutely no not a, an iota of negativity, mm-hmm. but... But a lot of foreignness and an acknowledgment that Judaism traditionally does judge it negatively. Right. I personally don't. So when I say lowercase p, Paganism, I'm not saying savage or, or lacking piety you, or I lacking actually, yeah. whatsoever.
1: But just sort of outside But, of but acknowledging
0: hand. a sociological or anthropological reality whereby... I want us to confront the fact that that's a conflict rather than copacetic.
1: Mm. Many hin- Hindus would say, we are a monotheistic religion, believe it or not. But that's a whole other podcast, I would say. So, but uh,
0: yes, my understanding is that Hinduism is, is, it has a wide variety, including atheism, monotheism, polytheism, dualism, and all kinds of stuff in between.
1: Non-dualism, all right. of it, yes. Exactly. From the beginning, I've been very conscious about what I'm taking is a technology from them. I've gone to a number of a large number of kirtans in Sanskrit and I saw how people were able to do what I call direct connect. Like, you know, something that that's something else that was kind of lost mm-hmm. in the movements of the of the wissenschaft, of the scientific right. and the, the and the rationalist. That intimacy. Yeah. Are you mediated? The question is can yeah. you have direct access? Can the can the lowliest of the lowly have direct access to God. To, to God, or is there should there be a mediation through the teachers, through the rabbis, through the tzaddik, through the uh, so so? But I would go to these kirtans and watch that people, for reasons maybe we wouldn't quite understand, were able to just in their heart space and uh, just strip down all the stuff they had grown up with that we were talking about before, where they felt things had gotten stale and they weren't connecting, and they were just, they're able to chant these names and feel, I was just at something last night, and feel like they're, they're completely connected. I, and I have judgmentalism about it, too, because they don't know the language, they don't know what they're saying, no. so they're kind of just supplying in sometimes you could argue, and be real careful here, you could argue that when we do that, we're just supplying our need, to connect without actually knowing what we're connecting in. So I'll tell you a funny story is that my friends, at, at, when I was I was um, finishing up rabbinical school, my friends were getting into kirtan, my Jewish friends, and they would break out Krishna Das, which is <laughs> who's called the, like, the Pavarotti of, of Western kirtan. At the time, I was a very yeshiva bacharish, and I was like, what are you doing? You're Jews, what is this? Like, I, I couldn't resonate with it at all. And later, I was having a lot of trouble with, with work and things. And I sort of needed something. And so I listened to the CD that my friend had given me much later than she gave it to me. And I went, wow, this makes me feel happy. You know, that, that it can actually be about feeling happy. Forget about the word spiritual, mm-hmm. you, that you can have bliss. And I immediately said to myself, wow, this would work really well with Hebrew. So it wasn't about, like, taking Hinduism or anything. It was like, this would, the Hebrew language... Is primed for this practice as a language. Like I like to call yeah, myself a lingua like, yeah, I yeah. like to call myself a lingua Zionist. Like you know, I love a Hebrew. A Hebrew nationalist. Right. <laughs> I'm a Hebrew nationalist. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, I never heard that before. So I thought, okay, I want to take this to the Jewish people as a rabbi, and and yes, sort of akin to what was being done in the in the night in the nineteenth century. Strip away all of the. Issue, so the, the I want to
0: get back to this, okay. the the thing of the, a couple of things that you, you encountered when you encountered kirtan. So on the one hand, you're trying to divest, or you're arguing that you're divesting the tool from the work. The work of Hinduism mm-hmm. is foreign; it is not not theistic the way we're monotheistic. It's something else. But they have tools at their disposal and you can apply those tools for a different task and a different set of work which is the Jewish task of connecting with God. I I think I hear you saying that and there's a kind of neutrality that you're attributing to the tool itself and calling it a technology does impose a kind of neutrality because technologies feel kind of neutral they don't feel as laden as things like chant or what have you. Right. So
1: okay I get that. I personally do believe that the advent of these practices from the East, if you are willing to go down that rabbit hole or, or to, uh, to allow yourself the thought that maybe there's a divine plan or something, you know, like even if you call it magical thinking, but it will enliven our practice as Jews. It's not just call and response chant, it's not, and I run into this with students and people who want to do this. There's much more to it than just, it's not much more, it's a little more difficult than all that. It's, it's not just continual call and response, like just keep singing the same thing again and again and again and again. Traditionally in India, kirtan, what they do is chant names. So I was presented with the challenge as as a, as a pioneer in this field of Hebrew kirtan. I was presented with the challenge. Okay, what is a divine name in Judaism? Is it just you know yeah. Elohim? Is it just Adonai, Adoshem? However you, I don't know. From where no t- we t- want to be no, here, you can say Adonai. You know, uh, Ad- Adashem, You know, however you want to put it. But we don't have a whole lot of names. You know, we have you know Adonai Tzvaot, We have we have names. We have, but, var-
0: we have variants and we have so, names. Yeah.
1: but I thought okay. I also want to see if Rather than just take phrases, which I've done, you know, I've just did a chant, a shiviti chant, shiviti Hashem, the negdi tamid, you know, just take phrases that are nice and make them into kirtan, can I also develop this chanting of the name? You know, I began to realize, wow, we have a name of God that we don't even know how to pronounce. Judaism is really about the name of God, so can we, can we circumnavigate or circumnavigate can we dance around that name? What can we do there? And and I began to think, okay, well, what makes for a name? So one of the first chants that I wrote, it's on Achad Sha'alti, the CD there, was Mikhayeh Hametim, and I thought that's a name. Right. That's a name of God. It's a noun, yeah. Because God is a verb, is one, as the one book just says, you know. So Mikhayeh Hametim, enlivening the dead.
0: So let's listen to your chant on Mikhayeh Hametim. <laughs>
1: You could argue, and I often teach this when I do the chant, because I give covenot and explanations of the chants is you could say that's God's essential activity. You know, without the divine force, all of this, and I'm picking up my arm and showing my flesh, you know, all of this would be dead. So god, it's not just that God, you know, we can avoid right. the worry, the question as to whether this is about the afterlife or the Messiah or, right. uh, you know, uh, any of that. But just, uh, no, that it's not about the end of time. It's That's what God, that's god Goding, so to speak, is you know, Michaei. Quickening, yeah. Quickening, and then you can do it with all that. I think Shomea hearing prayer, is a name of God. So I began to go, we have lots of names too. All right, so I appreciate the fact that you're saying that it, the, the
0: neutrality, the sterility of the word technology is only part of the picture. That there's right. also a certain orientation that it does awaken in you and, and it does flirt with the foreignness.
1: And that I have been influenced by right. these traditions that come from far away.
0: Before we return to the Bully Pulpit, we want to tell you about other programs on the College Commons platform for digital learning. Beyond this podcast, which is available to the public at large, synagogue subscriptions offer in-depth learning including online courses live interviews and a new program called the teaching podcast selected episodes from the bully pulpit enhanced with texts and teaching tools we look forward to meeting you at collegecommons.huc.edu now back to oh one more thing help us out and rate us in itunes and whatever you do do not give us five stars unless we deserve it now Back to our podcast. You're making what amounts to a broad anthropological statement about Judaism, is that this is part of the Jewish story. It has been since Aristotle and before, and, and, and we see it in Torah as well, that that Judaism does confront sometimes, uh, some, sometimes adversarially and sometimes
1: openly. I'll give you a good example of it, if I, can, if I may. Yeah. When I recorded Kirtan Rabbi Live, my first CD, um, there was a party. And this kid comes up to me, a bass player. He wasn't in the band. But he comes up and says, Rabbi, with, with all respect. And of course, the moment somebody says that, you yeah, run see, into yeah, that yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, whenever anybody says, Rabbi, they don't, even, they
0: don't even bother with the respect for me. But yeah, OK, <laughs> but
1: you know no respect's coming. So he said, with all due respect, why did you have to even mention that this came from India? I mean, we've had this all along, we, and it's true. Part of my task as a scholar has been to mine the Jewish tradition, to look for instances of call and response, or antiphonal, at least antiphonal call, right. you know, that uh, there be two choirs. And you see it in the in the Talmud and things. So you see a lot of instances of, of, of the, especially the Psalms, must have been chanted in right. some kind of I'm back and forth way. way. For it, but he said, Rabbi, with all due respect, why did you have to mention India? We have this in our own. You didn't need to say it. And, and I didn't say to him, I wish I had. I thought it. I said, so I suppose you like singing a donalum to a Prussian marching song, right? You know, <laughs> like, we've been doing Ma- this all along. So, right, and right. it goes back. You can see it in the in the earliest strata of the Tanakh. Yeah. You right. can see the interaction with. That's why there's always don't do what the Canaanites did.
0: We've been doing yeah. it, and we've been negotiating it, meaning that we've explicitly had the conversation you had with this young man, which is the resistance and the acceptance and the navigation of, of those two things, and the editing that 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 process results in either things we cut out and we say at the end of the day they're treif or things that we've allowed in and at the end of the day we've said either they're kosher or we'll put a hekshner on them and that's been part of the Jewish story right. as a minority culture amidst vastly larger cultures we've, we've done that
1: which is what I said to him. We, I said to him, we've never existed in a vacuum. We've always been interacting with the culture around us. And and we've influenced the culture around yes, us. Yes. <laughs> Boy, if we influenced no, all the All cultures co- do, right? Yeah. It's, it's part but, of being human. Yeah, you know, one of, if, if there's anything to take pride in, it's the degree to which which the Israelite faith went everywhere. And while I appreciate and accept and wrestle with the dance and and the, the dangers of of it if you will i think we live in a very exciting time right now bob dylan says like get out of the doorway if you can't lend a, lend a hand you know it's happening you know so right. we can right. we can try to circle the wagons and many of us do but in ultimately there are many people who are going to be need more and want more and they they want it and they want it with their Judaism now. The
0: circling the wagons, though, can be Mm -hmm. part of the conversation that that is still fruitful for the people who want it, need it, and ultimately get it. Because the simple fact that they're in conversation with people who are circling the wagons may modulate some of the dangers Mm -hmm. and help bring us to a capacity to absorb rather than a total rejection or worse, a rejection of part of our people who ultimately uh, need that more than they need their Judaism. So what I'm saying is. you're a better Democrat because there are Republicans and vice versa. You can be a better engaging Jew with the outside by virtue of there being Jews in the conversation who are more resistant.
1: So the full spectrum. So I, I would say I'm on the outer, the most outer edge of Ruf of, of outreach, in that I go to the, the
0: most porous kind of
1: Judaism. I'm at the furthest. Uh, Rabbi Gelberman, I didn't know him very well, but he, he, was, a, he was a fringe. I mean, in a good way, Rabbi he'd always be found at the yoga ashrams. Mm. And, and somebody, actually somebody we know, she, she said she met him there and she said, uh, Rabbi, why are you here? And she goes, this is where the Jews are. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm in a very similar, in, yeah, in the 21st I'm sure, yeah. century, I'm in a very similar situation. And I, if I had a dollar for every time someone's come up to me, at, say bhakti fest or one of these and said to you, you know I've been chanting for 30 years in Sanskrit I love it it's great and uh, I I'm, I'm from a Jewish background and I haven't and for 30 years I've, I, I I had to leave it and I felt but I felt something missing and then you're coming here and doing this practice that I know, but now in Hebrew and hearing the Shema again. You're allowing me to come home. And they, they're like, I, I, this is the first time. I had the best testimonial ever. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at a festival in Baltimore, near Baltimore. And literally, this is what the woman came up to me and said. She said, born Jewish, didn't connect, 30 years, this did it. That's exactly what she said to me. And and so, I, of course, I get a lot of nachas sure, from that. Sure. I get a lot of um, pride, pride, pride and, pleasure, and pleasure. On the other hand, I'll be really honest with you, and you can take me to task for this if you want, is I'm actually not trying to necessarily bring Jews back. So why do you call it roof? Because we're bringing it close to them, too. It's not just like bringing them back. Maybe I'm being a little, not dishonest, but, you know, Inauthentic. And on the one hand, I just really want to say, you can do this in Sanskrit, you can do this in Hebrew. You know, you know. The purely technological argument. Or the, or the purely, like, the, the, that Hebrew can do the same thing for you. Uh, we could do it in Latin, you know. <laughs> like, right, right. But as a chant leader, I know Hebrew. So when, when I sing Kadosh, 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 my, the whole etymological Rolodex of, of what that root can do goes through through me, you know, the, all the various forms right, of kiddush, right, right. Kiddusha, you know, like, yeah. and, and I am also feeling in service to the Jewish people to go and, and find people and have them t- like that woman where she felt it again. I, that gives me a lot of good feeling. I also get a lot of good feeling when somebody who is not of a Jewish, Jewish on their parent's side or mm-hmm. from another tradition, and they want to participate by singing in Hebrew. And I'll tell you something funny. Initially, when I started doing Hebrew kirtan, I had more trouble getting Jewish people to chant in Hebrew than I did non-Jewish people.
0: Right, right, because there's baggage there, too. Right. People are conscious, self-conscious of their the lack of Hebrew skill or what have you. And
1: yeah, anything. or just like, I left that. Right, all right. Whereas, let's say it's a, somebody who's a Christian background and now is in this Hindu orbit, and they're like, well, this isn't, there's no threat here for me. Hebrew is cool. You know? yeah, right, Hebrew yeah. Yeah. Hebrew's like, funky and yeah, yeah, yeah. alternative. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> if you've been going to kirtan um, uh, conventions all your life, Hebrew is pretty exotic. <laughs> so uh, uh, allow me to take us to the music a little bit more okay. specifically, if, if I may. Sure. First of all, I was listening to your great CD called Non-Dual, which I encourage our listeners to check out. On track eight, it's called Havarabah which is one of the important prayers in the Siddur, it's a standard prayer. And I was noticing something cool. If you listen to it, it sounds some of the times like they're saying, Ahava Rava. there's a sibilation or something's going on with the singers. I'm sure it's probably just some kind of vibrational thing. But I was thinking, isn't that cool? Because if you make a Hava Rava into a verb, it becomes the, the, the love is growing.
1: Nice, and, and, nice to uh, see uh, well, We're already getting there. That was, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I was, uh, but I also noted something after the fact. I checked out your website, and you talk about how you have made a choice to bring Jewish musical modes, quasi-Western mm-hmm. modes of music, which is typical in Jewish uh, and certainly in Ashkenazic synagogues, which are not particularly foreign to Western ears, as well as Hebrew to the kirtan. And I, and, and I thought I had noticed this on the CD, that there is, there's a kind of melodic quality which does not feel like my stereotypical notion of Eastern chant, which is really, really foreign. It felt more melodic, more recognizably melodic, but it had this strong uh, drone-like quality underneath it, or bass, I guess it was, keeping it um, feeling chanty, yeah. Eastern chanty, as opposed to Torah chanty. Am I hearing you right?
1: Yes, I think you are. I mean, this particular album, Duel, which is the most recent one, it is the... M- is the most Western like that. It's guitar based, I'm not playing the Indian instrument, the harmonium, which mm-hmm. is a very droney sound mm-hmm. you'll see on the other two C's. I decided very early on that I wasn't merely going to take a Hebrew phrase and slap an Indian melody on it. I wanted to make sure to make it authentic for our tradition is I would take songs or, or things we sang in synagogue and quote unquote, kirtanize them. <laughs> Do it asham like serve the serve Yah, serve the Lord with joy. You know, you do then I made it into a kirtan. That was the first thing I did was I didn't invent my own things. I took the things I knew and made them into a kirtan. There's several examples of that kind of thing. Oh Ziva yeah, I took Rabbi Shefa Gold's tune. As I, had heard, as I had learned it, it's a little oh, different. Zi, that, so I took that and made it into a kirtan. Some of the tunes, especially on the live album, Yari Bon is, I heard on... When sung. you went to India. So yeah. I never went to India, personally, which people find shocking. Oh, okay. But... I decided. Okay, I've been hearing all these Western kirtan artists, and I'm getting a lot. I got a lot out of it. I'm very grateful, but changed my life. But I want to see what, what the kirtan is like in India, so I started to go really listening to kirtan from India, and it, which is a whole different Megillah, and it affected me also. Not just the Jewish modalities, but it started for me. Okay, this is interesting, and musically it's interesting, a little more difficult, you know, and a little bit but less they, familiar they have, to us. they have
0: a different microtones? And...
1: Yeah, I'm, I. I mean, I'm. I would like to be able to do that. <laughs> it's very difficult. And I thought this would work really well with Hebrew, that the, 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 you know, the way that Hebrew language changes depending whether there's an ooh or a ve. Right, before, right. You know, whether uh, the schwa, you know, the how to, uh, Grammatically, the Hebrew is meant to be sung, and this modality has worked. Now, the, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about, I'll anticipate a possible question, is what do you do about matbeah? The layout of of the prayer, of the sidur, of like the required structure. It's kevan kavanah. It's it's exactly. Fixed
0: fixed prayer structure versus spontaneous, um, heartfelt expressions of
1: very much. That's exactly it. And yet, so you're in this situation where you you are there's a certain prayer order that's supposed to be fulfilled, and people can do it by rote, or with a lot of feeling, but and fast. And, or, or how? If if you want to take the space to do this meditative practice, so this kirtan practice, then you something's got to, You can't do everything. You can't do unless your service so is I, going to be five hours <clears throat> long. Which I, is,
0: I completely get the why this um, heightens the. It focuses the mind on kavan kavanan, figuring out that balance and interaction. But can I pick up on another theme, which is also central to the kirtan and, and mm-hmm. its musical componentry? which is <clears throat> it has to be done in community because it's built to be a call-and-response. So you need to have at least two parties who are calling and responding. What are the biggest challenges for you from a production point of view? Meaning you come into a synagogue, you, you have to fit into a context, you have to in, do this thing which is participatory but also has, is led by you, what do you find is the hardest thing to get to work? What do you find people resist most? Or what do you find people misunderstand most readily? What what are the challenges?
1: Yeah, oh, that's a good, really good question of what the challenges are. You know, there's been some that have been more difficult than others. Uh, I'm, this is not a plug, <laughs> I'm extremely grateful for the training I received at, at Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion. And uh, if it uh, were
0: a plug, we'd accept it. Okay, be fine.
1: because I was at Jewish Theological Seminary where I had done a PhD and everybody said to me why did you go to HUC why didn't you just do your rabbinical degree there there were a couple of reasons but one of them was I knew I was going to be trained in a certain way at HUC all the training I got at HUC has helped me do what I'm doing so I was trained to to be a prayer leader and I immediately saw this was prayer leading as a rabbi I'm the rabbi part is bigger than the kirtan part in kirtan rabbi for me personally, in, in, my, in my heart space especially, but in, in factually. And so when I first started to go to kirtans to learn, to watch, I would put myself in a situation. And I would watch these people who were leading the kirtans as if uh, the way I was trained at HUC to watch service leaders and say, I like that, I don't like that, that worked, that didn't work. Uh, oh, I, that's something I've never saw before. So one of the things I would do coming into these synagogues is, especially in the beginning, where I was t- completely introducing something new. I wouldn't be rigid. You can't be rigid. And I'll say this to people who want to look, because I'm, the part of the Kirtan Rabbi Prayer Initiative, which I've started, is that I now want to train people to do this. That's, and I want to come to rabbinical schools and, and to cantorial schools and say, here's what I've learned out there about prayer leading. You don't have to do kirtan. But if you want to bring some of this energy into your prayer service, I've learned something out there. And that's when the conservative rabbi wrote me and said, listen, I'm stuck with Mud bey. I'm stuck with this structure. How can I make my services more meditative even though I still have to go through X, Y, and Z to get through the service? I don't want to just be a timekeeper. I I get a lot of discussions like this, and we're going to do something about that with the Kirtan Rabbi Prayer Initiative. But I, So I'll go into a situation, and I'll look, at, and I have to feel the room. I, and I have to have many game plans. And I have to be ready to let go of any of my preconceived notions of, like, this is what we're going to do tonight. So there'll be a long prayer chant sheet that I'll hand out with many chants on them. And I'm, I know my singers will sometimes say, Rabbi, are we going to do all these chants? And I always answer, if it's a bad kirtan, we will. You know, right. a good care time, we might do three, you know, but I have to watch. Greatest lesson I learned at HUC, I remember it was in many classes, is always begin where people are.
0: Mm.
1: Right. So I'm not going to come and impose a practice on people. I have to see who who they are, where they are. And luckily, I you know, I come from a strong reform and conservative background, so I kind of have a sense of, of the possibilities. But then I also have to be ready to experience something completely new in the room and and just and to assess... What's going on, and if need be, jettison the plan. And it requires a lot of faith in yourself, that, that, and that comes from my tai chi practice. I think that just knowing that I can feel what's going on in the room and, and make uh, the judgment. Like I would, one of the, I haven't done it for a couple of years now, but I used to when I would say go to a synagogue in in a suburb, and I'd say, you know, a lot of people say you can't sing, you know, you're not a good singer, but I'm a rabbi and I want to boost you. I want, to, you know, I want to be supportive. And so I'm, I'm just going to be like a rabbi helping. I'm going to say, you know, you're right. You can't sing. You're not a good singer. And everybody would laugh. And I said, but you can chant. Right. So you kind of make the point of whatever happens here is good. There's no wrong. Give us a technical
0: definition of the difference, or at least a specific definition of the difference.
1: Well, because I, I mentioned earlier that, I, <clears> that we're kind of not doing music. It's music, but yet not music. It's singing, but yet not singing. Sometimes I'll have the most excellent singers and great musicians, but they're so identified with being uh, singers and you musicians, know, and right musicians that I have to, even though they're way better than me, I have to coach them and to detune them. I don't mean detune in the musical sense, but more like a, a knife that's too sharp mm-hmm. to, to, you know, like you need to back re- off.
0: Reattune them re reattune
1: they? them. Thank you. That would be better if <clears throat> us use that from now on. Uh reattune them that that this is you know, for all your musical abilities, the only thing that matters is that we're trying to get them. To participate, that the, and I never use right. the word audience. Right, 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 right? congregation. Congregation, right. exactly, Kihila, kaha. And if you have to stop playing, because musicians like to play, and always are right. like, what can I do, what do I add, what do I do? I'm always having to say, no, do less. If you feel at any point that by stopping what everything, you're going to help them, then stop. We need to kind of disappear. And I always felt that as a rabbi leading services, that the best services were the ones where I was a disappearing point. So chanting versus singing, is, it's. There's no key. There's not exactly a key. And there's speech and chant. Hmm. I've learned the most about how to chant kirtan from laning.
0: Uh, well, right. And, and by the way, we make Which, the same distinction. Mm-hmm. When we force our rabbinical students who are not cantorial students to learn the Torah trope and to practice it, if we encounter the objection, but I, I'm not comfortable singing from anywhere, much less the Bima, we respond exactly as you do. We're not asking you to sing. We're, teaching you how to chant and we're expecting you to be able to do it because it's part of the rabbinical task because chanting isn't singing so I'm comfortable with the distinction and I agree with you that we apply it very much with respect but in the case of laning meaning chanting Torah according to the trope notes. Cantillation, yeah, cantillation notes. Thank you. Yeah. The key thing is that there's no key. You can't really go wrong because there's no fixed point that you have to tune your ear to and then be faithful to.
1: Right and I often have a problem with I have all the books and I've they're kind of dusty on the shelf, but you know sometimes you'll see materials which, where this is the right way, and you run into this. Frankly, you run into this with in the Jewish chant world, not not just the, laning, davening prayer world. You run into it in the chant world where, where there's a very fixed like this is the right way for this chant. Right. One thing I've been wanting, been eager to bring up, and I haven't brought up, it haven't had in the moment, is that one of the things, and this does come out of the. Eastern Kirtan philosophy, the yoga philosophy, is there's this thing in, in, I guess it's a Sanskrit word, it's called lila, which means play, divine play, or God playing, and it, and it means being really ready, ready to just have fun. There's no rules. It's, it's, it's loose. And you, and you know, sometimes right. you're, sometimes and you can you're,
0: simplify it as you go.
1: You can wing it. Yeah. You can make a yeah. ground trip up at or, or the Or you can decide that there are punctuation marks
0: be... that you're more committed to than others. And yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you they, well, I mean, I don't want to get into the technicalities, but you know, you got to get your sof pasuk and you're at Nah-ta, But you know, basically. basically that's it. So we've touched a lot of topics. You want to take a parting shot? The main point I would want to make and I don't, is that I and other people who, like myself who are, quote unquote, engaged in the new spiritualities that are, that are coming into Judaism and, and bringing them in. And I'm trying to do it in a very responsible, grounded way. I hope I'm successful at that. Is that what we're trying to do is to try to find a way to formulate, especially for the needs of this age that we're in, that people want, that Judaism can be a practice. So when I do Tai Chi, I have my Tai Chi practice. Nobody questions that. that, it's, that it's but doesn't Judaism already err on the side of yep, practice when it comes sure. to mitzvot and... Uh... Right, but, to then, but to, it is. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying, oh, now we're going to make it a practice. It's like coming to, around us, showing and seeing and and, make, and showing that, looking at it from the orientation of this is a practice. You know, you could use the word avadah. Originally, when I started doing kirtan, I always only did it on a Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon, oh. never during prayer time. Oh, so you, and I, you? I was Dafka specifically saying, I do not want to change Jewish prayer. This is not about that. This is an a, a, an additional uh-huh. practice for us to do. At, because a, because
0: of com- your sense of the potential conflict, or because you just want to do something else?
1: Uh, probably the 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 former, you know, that of the potential conflict, and also just I'm a Davener, I you know, You'd and, like and I see that, Jewish right? prayer this way, and, and, and I do think we're praying when we, and I did at the time think that kirtan is prayer. But I, didn't, I avoided trying to say I'm going to do a Kirtan Shabbat service, and I've changed that. That's part of this whole new Kirtan Rabbi prayer initiative. I'm saying, okay, I want to mainstream this as, as prayer. And the reason this started to come about is one person in particular really challenged myself and another rabbi in New York. We were on a retreat, and he said, listen, when I go to a Buddhist retreat, it's very clear to me what the steps are. You do this, this, and this and you will get this, you know, ultimately enlightenment, if you want. But I know that this is a practice, and that if I do the practice, like if I do my tai chi an hour every day, I know what I'm going to get. And he was challenging us, and I totally got it. He said, I'm not getting that from Judaism. It's not being presented to me as, as a practice that I know. And it is. So I agree with what you said before. It's, I'm not saying, oh, Judaism has not been a practice, now we're going to make it into one. It always has been. It's always had spirituality. It's always had... Uh, uh, great energy. I, I often said, I don't really want to be a kirtan rabbi, I want to be the having a practice rabbi. No, right, you right. know, I should get that website, having a practice. Having a practice uh, rabbi. <laughs> <dot com. laughs> because we see it as, if I do this, I'm going to feel better. If I do this, I'm, I'm developing something. Uh, as opposed to, I'm just going because I should, or I'm supposed to, or that's what my mm-hmm. grandmother did, or all that kind of thing. You know? So uh, that's my main mission. I want people to have this in their tool chest, I'm starting to see my mission as I move on now uh, that I want to train and, and, see, and see this be integrated into the Jewish practices and be part of the Jewish world.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that with us and the great conversation. And I welcome all of our listeners to check out kirtanrabbi.com. And I look forward to future conversations. Thank you. Really a pleasure. You've been listening to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please join us again at collegecommons.huc.edu.